Welcome back, everyone, to another amazing episode of the best of the best, Maverick's Guide to Success. As you know by now, and if you don't know and you're a new listener, my name is Maverick Levy. I am the host of this podcast. And again, if you are a new listener, this podcast is focused on the shit that you're not taught in school. I also, before we hop into the interview, want to say, please make sure that you're subscribed to the show. And if possible, leave a five-star review as it helps tremendously for the growth of the podcast. And I also want to mention, because recently I've been seeing a lot of new listeners listening to the show, that the podcast has a social media page on all platforms. The at is at tbotbpod. You can also check out the website, tbotbpod.com. And on there, you'll find many different things. But in my opinion, the coolest part of the website is there's a place to interact with the guest on there. If they're willing to give their contact information, if they're hiring, if you want to become a client of theirs, all their contact info is on that website. So you can reach out to them and you can create a relationship because you already know them after listening to the podcast. And now, as always, it's time for the disclaimer. So please, everyone, remember that the discussions on this podcast are for informational purposes only. I cannot predict and do not guarantee that you will attain a particular result from the information provided. You should always seek professional assistance before making decisions in connection with the topics discussed. Now that all that good stuff is out of the way, Let's get right into this week's guest. I want to give a warm welcome to Robert Nickel, who is the founder and CEO of Rocket Station, which is a virtual staffing company. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thanks for having me, Matt Burke. I'm a big fan of the show. Love what you're doing and and excited to be here. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you saying those kind words. And just to give everyone my quick background about Robert, He was brought to my attention by someone through a a Facebook messenger, I want to say. And after speaking with him on the phone, we have a lot in common, both have that entrepreneurial spirit. So I thought he would be a great person to bring on the show to talk about his business because he truly is one of the best of the best in his industries. And, you know, first off, I think, Robert, your story is a great entrepreneur story that will give another example on the show of how someone started a business with just an idea. And then, Number two, I think that what you do could actually benefit some of the listeners of the show with their own business if they have one and help them succeed anymore. But before we get into all that stuff, which I always call the nitty gritty of the show, I just want to stop for a second and ask you a few questions about your background so that you can build a relationship with the listeners right off the bat. So where did you grow up, Robert? I grew up just north of Dallas, really small town, you know, one stoplight town. My dad was the local dentist and my mom kind of worked for his office and and taught art classes in the backyard. And we had horses and goats and cats and dogs and dad rode his bike to work every day. So we had an awesome childhood, an awesome upbringing. And, and I feel like that's where I got most of my entrepreneur spirit comes from. Um, my dad was a great businessman, ran an awesome office, but my mom was the one that was always looking for opportunities. And she was the, always coming up with different business ideas um, from real estate to 
uh, owning and operating a laundromat in our town to, to lots of different things that they did. So I had I grew up in small town Texas to an amazing family. I'm one of five kids. I, I, I have four amazing siblings. And, and niece was just born two days ago, so super excited to have the first First girl in the family. Congrats on that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I I come from small town Texas with a really big family and just, uh, it's kind of it. That's awesome to hear. So is this your first time being an uncle or do you have other nieces and nephews? So I have three nephews. They're three, two, and one. And this is the first niece. And so in in my extended family in general, there's not very many girls. So it's, it's kind of a really exciting time for the nickel household right now to have, have a new girl in the family. That's awesome. Yeah, I have a niece. She is a little under two years old, and she's everything. I FaceTime her several times a week. Her name's Riley. She She's the best of the best for sure. So I know how that feels to be an uncle. You got a lot of weight on your shoulders, and you, you want to care for them. But that's great to hear. So you grew up in this small town, which is really cool and really unique. And when you were a little kid, you know, people out asked you a question like, what do you want to be when you grew up? Do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up? Yeah, I actually hated that question because a lot of my friends had the, this perfect, clear idea of what exactly they wanted to do. You know, one friend became a firefighter, several went to the military, several joined police academy or, or went to work on Wall Street and do the different things. And and they knew from a young age exactly what they were going to do. I honestly, Maverick, had no idea. I, I had an idea that I wanted to do it, be in business. I wanted to make money. Um, but I, I had no idea. I didn't want to do any of the traditional, like I, did, I never had any of these like uh, specific jobs that I aspired to to do or be. I just, you know, I, it's, it's, I actually hated that question as a kid. And, and even getting to college and really trying to figure out a major, I really kind of struggled with that because I liked sociology a lot. I liked the communication courses a lot. I really enjoyed my history classes and I, and I loved business courses. So I, on the business side of things, I didn't love my economics, the finance courses, the, uh, you know, the math side of things, which I was good at it. I, I got good grades. I just didn't love it. I was way more into the, the sociology, into the communication side, into the organization structure side. I loved the org comm classes. So anything where I could really dive in and learn about people people and, and human beings and what motivates them and what drives people to be successful or productive or work together in teams. That's, that's where I really kind of dug in. And so my business journey, as far as school-wise, it was just kind of like I, I basically did business because I knew the classes that I really wanted to do weren't, I wasn't ever going to get a job in any of those fields, right? It's like, yeah. So you didn't know what you wanted to be when you grew up, which is actually, you know, important for people to understand, because I think a lot of the times, like you said, you have peers that are like, okay, I want to do this. I want to do that. I actually was the opposite of you, Robert, because I knew seeing my grandfather start a business and be in the tax industry. And then my father went into it second generation. I knew that I wanted to be third generation in my family's business which I absolutely still plan on doing. And I also, you know, as time went on and I matured and got older and went to college, I saw that I also want to be in myself creating business outside of being in my family's business, which is levying associates that our main focus is handling tax problems and tax resolution. But since you brought up college, where did you go to college? I went to a small liberal arts school in Sherman, Texas called Austin College. So it's a great school. It's 
there were a lot of really sharp kids there. And primarily, most, most students there, most of the kids are there for you know, pre-professional degree programs. So a lot of pre-med, a lot of pre-law, uh, the pre-med program, they're basically a pipeline to medical school. So I was in a small liberal arts school as a business major with a whole lot of smart kids looking to, to get a professional degree afterwards. Got it. Now that we know a little bit about your background, let's go what I called before into that nitty gritty part of the interview. So as I stated when I introduced you to the show and welcomed you, you're the founder and CEO of Rocket Station. So let's stop here for a minute. Can you give a brief explanation to the listeners of what Rocket Station actually is. You don't, it doesn't have to be long. You don't have to elaborate because we'll get onto it. But before we continue on, I want the listeners to know what Rocket Station is and what you guys do. Yeah, we do two things and, and, and only two things. We do system and process development. So that is training materials, scopes, everything that's happening in the day-to-day of the organization. We actually build out a systematic scope of work for all task management and create time studies within the organization. That creates transparency. It creates alignment. But more than anything, it creates efficiency within task management. So we do a lot of system and process map uh, manual creation and then we're dedicated teams. So we're just virtual staffing. We're virtual teams. It functions just like a W-2 or functions just like an employee, but it's not. It's just a service contract. You have a service agreement with our company and you essentially get the equivalent of full-time employees just without any of the liability, none of the overhead, none of the issues that normally come with employment. So we like to really think of ourselves as the easy button for virtual teams and virtual employment. Got it. So that's awesome. So now we'll get into really the complexity of what you do and how you can benefit someone. But before we go into that, now that we know what you do, I we have this gap now from you graduated college with a business degree and you started and founded and are the CEO of Rocket Station. So what I want to do is give you the floor because I think it would be beneficial for the listeners to hear what happened in between this gap. Because obviously when you and I talked, I know what your story is and what that gap was from when you graduated college to when you became the founder and CEO of your own company. But I want you to tell others that story so they can hear you know, what your path was and it's okay to not really know what you want to do and how you got to where you are. So I'm going to give you the floor, Robert. I might interrupt you to ask you a few questions, but this is your time to fill that gap for the listeners of, you know, from when you graduated college till now. You know, growing up, you said you're taking over a third generation, you're a third generation taking over the business, right? I, that's what I would have loved to have had a business to have taken over. I would have loved for my parents or my family or somebody to have done something where I could have jumped in and joined that business. That's what I really would have enjoyed. But my dad's a dentist and I didn't want to I didn't want to become a dentist. That's not what I wanted to do. Yeah, I, I hate the dentist office, honestly. I'll be every, honest with right, you. Everybody does, right? So yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's a great living. And we, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for the, the life that my parents were able to provide and, and all of those things. But it just, I didn't want to be a dentist. I knew that that wasn't for me. And so, and my parents growing up in my household, it was very much like, you know, their money is their money. And we were just lucky to be 
you know, born into that household, right? So my parents didn't give us a lot. They, we were forced to work and earn our way through school and get jobs and to work and to, to be productive. And my mom was really, really focused on us always being productive. Like she would say all the time, I don't care if you're happy. I just want you to go be productive and you'll figure out the happiness part afterwards. So from a really young age, we, we were taught to have a really strong work ethic, to work really hard, to drive and always be pushing towards progress. And so there wasn't a business there, but for me to take over within the family, but my parents were into real estate. And at a pretty young age, my, my oldest brother brought home Rich Dad, Poor Dad, obviously by Robert Kiyosaki, which most people have read. And, and my parents were in real estate. So having seen some of their exposure, they would flip a house or two a year. They owned some rental property, nothing big. It was just kind of a side thing that my mom did on the side. And my dad never had the energy to actually do it. So it was mostly my mom doing the real estate. But seeing them do real estate and then also seeing the opportunities after reading the book about the idea of passive income, that to me was super, super appealing. The idea of being able to control your time and, and control your lifestyle and all those things. So real estate was, was on my radar pretty early. Even when I was in college, I worked for a general contractor. My best friend's dad was a general contractor. So I rode shotgun with him for several years growing up, doing everything from remodels of bathrooms to, to brand new construction. So even with, as I graduated college and I was working for a medical debt purchaser, which is just a fancy term for a collection agency, which is not a glamorous industry to be in, right? But Yeah, I can't imagine that's a great job. Yeah, well, I mean, I was on the corporate side of it and, and on the strategy and on, on the analytic side within the operation. So it, it, really, it was a really amazing company that did a lot of amazing things. But yeah, it, was, it wasn't the industry that I just envisioned myself going in. But I was flipping houses on the side. And two years after graduating from college, I just decided that I was going to jump into real estate full time. And so I left my job because I just knew that there wasn't going to be enough opportunity there long term and was determined that I was going to go forge a path where there was a little more opportunity. So that's, that's why I went to real estate. And I want to just stop you right there. Sorry. When you were making this jump to a whole different industry, were you nervous at all? Like, were you worried that you weren't going to be able to support yourself? Because I think uh, that's an important topic to bring up, especially for this show and my audience, because sometimes people might be nervous to make that jump to better themselves because they're comfortable or they don't know what the future is going to bring to them. So what were you feeling during that time? Oh, yeah, I definitely had some anxiety. And not only did I have some anxiety for myself, but I had some pushback from the people that I cared about the most and who... I respected their opinions, and including my parents. They were a little bit nervous for me to go all in. Because, you know, quitting your job, it's after only a couple years of resume building, it's like, you know, you don't really have a big safety net there. There's not a whole lot to fall back on. And so, uh, of course, there was some anxiety. But I'll say, Maverick, I was lucky in that I wasn't married, no kids. There was no real, you know, the kind of like the downside. I hadn't built up. A significant career. I didn't have a big W-2, you know, the golden handcuffs that everybody talks about. I didn't have any of those. So of course there was some anxiety, of course there was some fear, but I felt like the downside outweighed in any kind of, you know, the downside meaning not taking action and then just working a W-2 job for the rest of my life and then, you know, being stuck in that that salary and that eight to five. And that to me was the thought of essentially being unhappy was a way bigger downside than 
going and falling on my face and having to start over because starting over would have just been going back to a W-2 job. So for me, I just, yeah, there's definitely some nerves there. But the hardest part... I think an important part of what you brought out of what you were saying is that the risk that you were taking wasn't a major one. I had a very successful entrepreneur. His name is Brad Olashansky. He's from my area, the Metro Detroit area. And he started this, I, I always like to call it a, a race car or a racetrack country club where yeah, you have the a motor enclave. I know Brad. Okay. Yep. Brad's an awesome guy. So what he told me during my time of interviewing him, and it's something I'll always remember and use in life is at a young age, you can take more risk for the exact reasons you brought up. You don't have a family, you don't have kids, you have minimal expenses, minimal people that are relying on you. And that makes the risk even better to take. So take to all my listeners, take as many risks as you can while you're young before you have those responsibilities. And then it's going to tie you up. You're not able to take those risks anymore because you don't know what the outcome is going to be. So I'm sorry for interrupting you, Robert. You can continue on. I just wanted to bring that up No, I think that's great. And that's where the real learning is as well. It's like no matter what phase I was in my life, it's like until I went implemented what I was studying or learning or trying to figure out, until I went actually did something, there was no real learning. You know, business school is great, but until you go work in a company, you don't know anything about business. So, yeah, I think sometimes taking those risks are are some of the greatest lessons that you can ever get to because you just learn so much in the process. But, but yeah, so I left corporate America thinking that I was just going to go build my my empire on my own. And um, it was good. I mean, I, I had some success right out the gate in, in real estate. And, you know, with the technology today, with social media and everything being online with the cloud and email and virtual storage and Amazon web servers and, and everything that's done virtually, it, you know, it wasn't super tough to me to put the pieces together. I just had to go work. Right, because anybody can get. I I filed all my initial LLCs in the state of Nevada. Nevada and Delaware are kind of the two places where you're taught that you can have the tightest corporate structure, right? And so, you know, for four hundred bucks, anybody can start an LLC, can start a business. What comes next is is all the hard work that it takes to make it actually become something, right? And so, yeah, yeah. In real estate, I the, my first couple years it was fine because I was making a whole bunch of money, which I thought initially was the goal, right? To go just make a ton of money, then everything else would come next. But what was happening was, yes, I was doing some transactions, I was doing some deals, and I was making more money. But I was also working 60, 70, 90 hours a week to make it happen. And after a couple of years of that, I mean, I was Maverick, I was exhausted. I was basically ready to go back to my corporate job. I tried hiring some friends and family that didn't work very well. I tried hiring off of Craigslist and some of the other like Indeed and ladders and traditional job boards that didn't go very well. And it was, it was like more painful to hire people than it was just to do it myself. So I know this story is too long already, but what I did was... No, I, no, it's, it's good info. So I was, uh, I had some great mentors. I think the luckiest thing, or, and it's not really luck because I made a decision to surround myself with amazing people, but I credit most of the success that I've had to having really amazing mentors and having people that could just kind of educate me and give me resources and insights and just information along the way as I was making what felt like big, important decisions uh, to have mentors that, that could really help me. And in the state of Texas, it's a non-disclosure state. So it's really hard to get information 
if you're not licensed as an agent, if you're not a licensed realtor, then you, you basically can't get at you. There's no home sales information. You have no idea what people are selling their houses for. You're limited to the syndication sites to know what properties are available. You just have very limited public data record here in the state of Texas, unless you're an agent, because everything's housed within the National Association of Realtors database. So if you want to flip houses or, or be in real estate in the state of Texas, you pretty much have to be an agent. And my broker that, that I hung my license under to be an agent, because you have to have a broker to be an agent, my broker was a great guy. And he had an awesome business where he had teams of agents that did really well. He had his own portfolio, his own book of business going. And even more impressive than that was he was a really good dad. His daughter played golf and he was caddying for her every single weekend at all her tournaments and, and showing up to school events midweek. His son liked to build dirt bikes and race cars and all these types of stuff, build things out, you know, like just, just like they would just build stuff. And he always had time for his daughter and always had time for his son while running a great business. And here I am. Yeah, that time balance is so important too. Yeah, and I was so jealous of him. I'm looking at what he was doing and I'm I'm, you know, posting pictures on Facebook at four AM in the gym, like rise and grind and and uh, and I didn't have any of the responsibility that he had in his life, nor did I have the business either. I, I didn't have the volume of business that he had either. And I was working twice as much. So I went to go talk to him and he was basically like, man, you have the same number of hours in the day and the exact same resources available to you as there are to anybody else out there. He's like, I'm not going to listen to you moan, whine and complain about your scenario. He goes, it sounds to me like you've got nothing but great problems. You just need to figure it out. And while he was talking to me, his business was moving. And that was in the first time that I was really exposed to, to virtual teams. He called them virtual assistants or his virtual staff. And so he had lots of local agents and realtors that worked for his buyer clients and that represented um, his sellers for listings and put signs out in the yard. And there was agents everywhere. But what I didn't know was all the day-to-day -day work, so his inside sales, his prospecting, his marketing, his accounting and bookkeeping, his customer support, all of his back office, his entire company as far as the day-to-day -day ancillary task management was done from teams overseas. He had not hired wow. a single U.S.-based person to run anything in the day-to-day. And I was looking at his retail real estate business, and it pretty much mirrored my investing business, except, you know, instead of me representing clients, like I don't have buyer clients, I don't go list houses, I was just doing it, I was just flipping houses, but it's the exact same process. And so that's when the light bulb came on for me in 2011 that, man, there is a world out there. There is all this opportunity that's available. I don't have to work 90 hours a week. I can put some structure in place to have the same success that my mentor, that my broker, that I can do it the way he's doing. So that's the way too long story of how I got from essentially corporate job to real estate to doing what we're doing today, which is virtual staffing. And we're going to push um, here in the next few months, we'll, we'll reach a thousand team members. And so it's been quite a journey to go from real estate entrepreneur to running a virtual staffing business with over a thousand employees. But the reason the virtual staffing business was created was it was out of need and necessity for my own 
businesses that I was doing. I, I was terrible. I, was, I feel like, Maverick, I'm a really good leader, but I am a terrible manager. I was not good at hiring. I was not good at recruiting. I was not good at task management. I was not good at being a manager. So the reason Rocket Station was created was to be able to build teams, to be able to simplify the process of having efficiency, productivity, all while reducing your costs and having it done really easy. As an entrepreneur, I just needed that solution, and that's why it was created. That's a necessity in any entrepreneur's business is you need to have these systems in place that are efficient and are going to make your business run efficiently. And so just to recap, you graduated college, you went into corporate America, you didn't love corporate America, you started to be an entrepreneur in the real estate space. You didn't necessarily love that because of the hours you were working. And then your boss, your mentor came to you and was basically like, listen, this is how I'm doing things. And it sparked an idea in your head and you turned that from an idea, a dream into a reality. So what year did you form Rocket Station? Was that in 2011? So Rocket Station, the brand was officially, that was formed in 2018. But 2013 is when we formed the first version of what it is now. And that was called Investor Virtual Assistant Services LLC. So that was in 2013 when we first started hiring and doing teams. From 2011 to 2013, I had to really figure out the process. I, it, we was, it was something that we were just doing for myself. And then once from 2013 to 2014, helped almost 100 people do it. And since then, we've just been really rocking and rolling. And that's awesome to hear. Obviously, I think all the listeners and myself, I can hear the passion in your voice when you talk about this, which is always awesome to hear from an entrepreneur because it means you love what you do and you care about what you do and transitioning from that. Now, I think, Robert, what makes you the best of the best in your industry, and I know very little about the industry, right? So I'm learning as we go. And when you answer questions is you're driving your passion. But what would you say sets your company aside from other companies that offer the same type of service? Yeah, for us, I think it's our, our commitment to our client's success and their outcomes. So we're just a tool. We're just a resource to help our client partners get to where they're trying to go. And our unwavering commitment as a partner for them, and, and that's what we are, is we truly are partners for our clients. And that unwavering commitment to get them to a successful outcome is what drives us every single day. So that's why that whole discovery phase where we build your systems and process maps, it doesn't matter if you're a publicly traded company or a solo member LLC, we put everybody through the exact same process because that system and process documentation not only creates alignment, but when we can time study your business and provide recommendations in a way that is transparent and in your best interest, that just creates so much trust and alignment between our businesses. And it just structures us as a true partner. Because the idea for us is not to just have as many human bodies working at a problem as possible. In fact, it's the exact opposite. We want companies as efficient as possible. We want them running as productive and as lean as they can possibly be. And we can help provide those resources. And as a result, it creates a win-win relationship that should last forever. And so for us, that front end development phase is really about creating a partnership that will create those long-term success results that clients are actually looking for. Got it. That makes a lot of sense for sure. Now, if someone is listening to this and says, hey, holy shit, maybe Rocket Station is able to benefit me in ways I didn't know or I never heard of something like this, 
what would you say to them? Why would they use Rocket Station to fill positions rather than just, you know, posting in, you know, I have a job opening on Glassdoor or Indeed? Yeah, a couple reasons. One uh, to begin with is we're experts at this. So we, we've been doing this now for almost the best of the best. Yeah. And so what I was going to say next is the infrastructure that we have around that. So we're screening 6,000 applications a month. We're hiring less than 2% of those people. Then they come on our platform for four to eight weeks under our training program to make sure that they're ready. And the way that process works is they've been on our program and gone through our program long enough in our training and our boot camp where we are systematically not only building your systems and processes, but then identifying the right people to be able to fill those roles. So everybody, most people have read good to great or have at least heard the saying, put the right people in the right seats on the bus. And that's a whole lot harder than it sounds, right? The idea makes sense, but to actually implement that and make that happen is pretty tough. And that's what we're experts in doing, is actually creating the seats, like what should those seats actually look like, creating structure there, and then going and identifying the right people. So for any role that you create within within the organization, our team helps you do that. We simply assign three, four, five people that would be a perfect fit for you to interview. So it's, it truly is the easy button. You, you, whether it's an inside sales role or an accounting and bookkeeping role or any kind of back office support role that we help map out, we can then identify truly the best of the best candidates that could absolutely crush those roles. And that's, if you read our reviews on Google, I mean, those are unsolicited reviews. Those are just people giving their just their honest response and feedback. And you're talking about emotion and passion. If you like, if you get out there and read some of those reviews and it's because we're actually implementing our mission, we're fulfilling the mission, which is enhance lives through better business. So again, it doesn't matter if you're a single member LLC or you have hundreds and hundreds of team members. Our mission is to enhance your life through creating a more successful organization through a better business. And so for us, what could be more fun than that? Yeah, now, and I think right now, uh, what's happening in the world with COVID is a very important time for not only your business, but the whole country, because we are now seeing that people are able to productively work from their home, eliminating the need for employers to have people in their office, right? All due to COVID-19 and companies that, you know, don't need their employees to actually be in the office. For us, we are a tax resolution firm, an accounting bookkeeping firm, and we need people in the office because we have mail coming in every day. The mail needs to get sorted. There's notices coming in. So we have people that are all, both virtual and coming into the office, but we have that need that's very unique because a lot of, I would say majority of people now all over the world don't need their employees to come into the office. So with COVID, have you seen a boost in people that are now like gearing more towards wanting to come to you and understanding that, okay, this virtual thing is a plausible option? Yeah. So COVID didn't change anything as far as what was possible. I mean, the technology has been there. The resources have been there. We've been doing this for seven years. I mean, like, like nothing has really changed. The only thing that changed was people were forced into changing overnight, right? They were forced yeah, to, it was to that get realization. That yeah, it was just this. I don't think anything happened the, over the last pandemic phase that we've been in that wasn't going to already happen anyways, right? And I know that I'm not the only one saying that, but it's just that 
people were forced to think about things differently. And so, you know, you mentioned that you guys have to have some people in the office. Yeah, you have to have some people in the office, but you don't have to have everybody in the entire staff in, right? And then... No, absolutely not. And we don't. And then there's times like I still like our teams getting together face-to-face whenever possible. So even, you know, we're a remote company, but we still get our teams together periodically because there's something to be said about the face-to-face interaction. But to answer your question directly, have we it has been this year has been the most amazing year for us simply from the fact that our entire sales cycle used to be around explaining the possibilities educating about how it works is a whole lot of education to help business owners understand the possibility of remote teams and remote workforce and doing everything virtually not having to have a bunch of office square footage not having to have butts in the seat and i mean it's you know, in Dallas, uh, you know, where I am and I can look outside my window right now and there's 17,000 businesses within a 10 mile radius that have over a thousand square feet of office space, something like that. Right. Right here in Dallas. Right. So, yeah, it's just the way people have always done things. They've traditionally run business a certain way. What happened with COVID was they were forced to see things different immediately. So for us, instead of having to explain what's possible and showcase Zoom and all these other companies, tools that, that were available, companies were no longer trying to figure out if this was possible, if this was feasible, if this was a viable option for them. They just wanted to figure out how to do it as efficiently and be as productive as possible and get their teams back, right? Cause- and that's, yeah, that's what I anticipated your answer to be, honestly, because I see how, you know, COVID is obviously a horrible thing that's happened. And, you know, it's really detrimental to a lot of the industries that, you know, we're booming before COVID prior to it. And it's really taken a hinder on, you know, I'm right here in Michigan and all the restaurants are closed and we have tons of family owned restaurants and they're doing not the best. So why I wanted to ask you that question is I wanted to expand people's eyes to other opportunities now that people need to be adapting and changing to. You were very fortunate. You were way, way, way ahead of this curve of having virtual employees. But for other people out there thinking like, what the hell am I going to do? Well, just look to see you know, where the future, obviously Robert never could have ever predicted that COVID was going to take place and it was going to do the education part for himself now that that sort of takes it away. It was saying, look, the whole world's virtual now. So that's why I wanted to bring it up. But before we switch gears into a more entrepreneurship related conversation, are there any last things you want to mention about Rocket Station that you think people need to know? I think you covered a great portion of it and people really can understand it. But I just like to offer that in case you want to add a quick last comment. Yeah, the hardest part about thinking about outsourcing or or what we're talking about is people generally understand the concepts. It's not you know, hard to think about. But what it is hard to kind of apply is how it applies to them and their businesses directly. So the website has lots of great information on there. Anybody who's interested, check it out. But our development team, they're amazing. And they're, I'd be happy for them to spend some time with anybody who was honest and sincere about this process and had questions. I don't care if you hire our teams or not, but on that website, just click schedule time now. And, and our development team, they, they truly are experts. So if you have questions about how any of these concepts apply to you directly, just jump on our calendar and the team will be happy to answer any questions that you have at all. Got it. And give that website out for everyone that's listening. It's just rocketstation.com. 
Got it. Awesome. Thank you. So now let's switch gears because this podcast is obviously about the shit that's not taught in school. And we're going to be coming from this conversation regarding starting a business from the ground up, which is Robert did. So Robert, I'll run through these questions with you and they don't need to be so elaborate, but you know, you can just touch on them however you want is how important is transparency in business? Uh, transparency just within your organization or external? Everything, right? Transparency with your employees, transparency with your clients, transparency with whoever you're using, your lawyer, your accountant, your CPA, transparency in general from a businessman aspect that you're in. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's kind of my job as the CEO and the leader of my organization is to state our mission and put the horizon wherever we're headed, wherever the train is headed, have it clearly stated for our organization. So we, it's funny you say transparency because we use the word alignment a lot internally within Rocket Station. And that's essentially what we're, we're saying is transparency transparency is like we there is no organization or no department that doesn't uh, overlap so if you're in marketing or if you're in sales you can see what's happening in operations through our crm if you're in operations you can check and you can see what's going on in marketing at all times doesn't mean you can go in there and mess with things but as far as transparency is concerned we try to be what uh ray dalio is the first person that that used the term that I heard him say radical transparency and reading his book principles is what totally changed my view on this idea because you know building the business from scratch and building up at the beginning Maverick I'll be honest I had some of this scarcity mindset and so sometimes that bled over into the way I communicate with employees or with clients or, or whoever. And learning how to be radically transparent doesn't mean you give away secrets. But being radically transparent, it's kind of one of the huge keys to having great culture within an organization, is my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great advice. And I have two or three last questions here to ask you, maybe a little bit more depending on the time. But you talked about starting a business from scratch, right? Did you know, I always like to ask entrepreneurs this question of, did you know anything about what is necessary to start a business? Like, did you really understand how filing your taxes work, how, you know, getting a mortgage works if you needed to get office space or, you know, just in your personal life, actually, if you needed to buy your own home or a condo or apartment or insurance, right? Or hiring a lawyer to draft agreements between you and your clients. Did you know anything about this or were you learning these skills on the fly? Oh, I learned every bit of that on the fly for the most part. Now, I was lucky in like my corporate job, for example, I before I you know in that two years I read more contracts than I ever cared to read my entire life for the uh, the vice president of operations that was part of my job responsibility there so I, I there's a few things that I obviously learned from experience but for the most part uh, all I knew Maverick was that I had a solution to a massive problem that tons and tons and tons of people were experiencing and that I knew that I could provide a solution to that problem. How exactly I was going to go about doing that, I, I didn't know. You figured it I out figured on the it way. Out. Yeah, and over and over and over and over again, I've had to just figure it out. And the way I've done that is just by, by trying to tap into the smartest people that I can find and find competent people, gather as much information as I can, and then try to make the best decisions possible. There, I wish I had some kind of sexy answer for it, but you just kind of figure it out. 
No, and that's why I always like to bring that topic up because I would bet that if you had a platform like this podcast that you could go and listen to with experts coming on the show and telling you what mistakes they made and what they wish they knew. And like I have a tax person on, obviously my family's in the tax business. I had my dad on the first episode you know, all these different things. I had someone in insurance on. I'm going to be having lawyers on. I, it's going to always be expanding and evolving, but I wanted to show the listeners that you, a successful entrepreneur, probably would utilize this podcast if you were, you know, in your young 20s and your late teens at the time and you knew, knew that you wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like that's, I, I never stop learning. It's, um, you know, I read once that Warren Buffett said he spends 90% of his day reading. And the people I was with, whenever that we were we were going through, that they're like ninety percent of the day. What he's doing is he's learning, right? And and yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm not quite in a position where I'm fortunate enough to have things structured where I can spend ninety percent of my time learning, but I do spend a good chunk of my time studying and learning and surrounding myself with people who have answers to questions that I definitely don't. I'm sure you being in the real estate business had heard the ABC always be closing. Something I said on the show previously is ABL. That's how I live. Always be learning. It's very important to always be learning. Never think that you know everything. So thank you for pointing that out. And coming down to the last part of the interview, of course, I have to ask this question being in the tax industry is how important would you say it is to make sure you have a good accountant, a good CPA to ensure that you're tax planning correctly from a business owner entrepreneur perspective okay so it's one of the like when people ask me like what are the mistakes that you made along the way this is definitely never one I bring up but it's one that is was for sure there is I was not strategic at all from the way I did accounting and bookkeeping at the beginning it was just figuring it out it was a cash flow nightmare where every day I felt like I was playing Monopoly, just trying to figure out how to meet payroll and how to keep the lights on, right? And when I was in that chaos, that would have been the best time for me to have gotten help because, Maverick, waiting as long as I did made it so much more painful to ultimately do it right than if I would have just done it right from the beginning. So how important is it? It's a choice you make. You can go run through a wall later and it can be absolute nightmare and ultra painful and a whole lot more expensive when you do it that way, which is the way I went about it. Or you can get some great help from the beginning and avoid all those nightmares that I had to go through and experience myself. Yeah. And Listen to Robert because he is a successful entrepreneur. You're hearing he started a business from the ground up and he's saying that this mistake he made, thank you for bringing up mistakes. I actually love to talk about them and it, it just you just pretty much answered a mistake question by showing a mistake you made and how you overcame it and, and you got past it by going back and yes, it was hard, but you did it and now you're in good standings with taxes and tax planning and all that good stuff. But if you are starting a business, if you were in Robert's position or you are in his position currently and you're sort of confused about taxes, make sure you give us a call. Levying Associates, our phone number is 1-800-TAX-LEVY. You can visit the website, levytaxhelp.com. We're here for all your tax needs, whether it's tax planning, whether you owe money to the IRS or the state, we will make sure that either you start off on the right foot and you never have to worry, or if you didn't start off on the right foot, we'll go back and make sure that you're going to continue off 
starting off on the right foot because you may have started off on the wrong foot, but that's okay. That's why we're here. Feel comfortable. Know that you can call us, reach out to us via the website, all that good stuff. Now, two last questions for you, Robert. One is when I go on your website, I see all these people from Shark Tank uh, endorsing your business. That is very cool. I don't even know if that's really a question. I just wanted to mention that, that I think it's very cool. So know that know that everyone, he has that credibility and that recognition from these sharks. And if you check out his website, rocketstation.com, you'll see what I'm talking about. I believe Kevin O'Leary's one. There's a few others that are on there that are endorsing his product, his service that he's offering. Now, I guess it wasn't really a question. I was going to ask you something, but I more just wanted to say how cool that was because I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> Thank but, you. I appreciate you know, that. Yeah. And the last question I have for you, Robert, is as a successful entrepreneur, right, you are someone that's done a lot. But I always like to ask this and you don't have to relate it back to being a successful entrepreneur, but I just threw that in there because maybe you will. But what do you wish that you knew when you were in your early 20s? Oh, so... It's the same lesson that I wake up every morning and, and continue to apply today. It's action trumps all over and over and over again. So I'm somebody who really likes to learn. I like to educate myself. I like to get every book and every podcast and absorb all information that I can about things. But none of that information is ever useful if it's not applied. And so I think what I... if. I would have gotten a lot further a whole lot faster if I would have taken a, a lot more action, learned from my mistakes, gotten up quickly, and just kept moving. So I, one thing that I've, I've been very good at is getting up quickly when I make mistakes and learning and moving on. But there's only so much learning if you're not taking action and you're not doing anything. So I, I think I, I wish I would have spent a little more time actually applying some of the knowledge that I learned and put together and accumulated all over, over all those years and just been a little bit more action-oriented earlier on, um, and I feel like I'd be a little further ahead. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. I appreciate it. And sort of what you touched on was adapting and changing and getting up and not letting anything get in your way. And that's those are all traits of a leader, of a successful entrepreneur. But that's it for this interview. Thanks again, Robert, for coming on the show. I enjoyed our conversation, and I look forward to maybe seeing some more sharks endorse you and seeing how much further you can build your success. Maverick, I really appreciate you having me on. You've had some amazing guests that I definitely do not uh, deserve to be mentioned next to. So super humbled to be here, honored that you'd had me on. I love your show and uh, really appreciate what you're doing out there and, and the services that you provide and the value that you bring. So thank you for having me on. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for the kind words, Robert. It really, truly means a lot. Now, I know I talk about this a lot, but I want you to all really understand what it means to be a leader. Robert, as you can hear, is the true epitome of a leader. And I'll go through some things to me what being a leader actually means. It's doing what makes you happy. Waking up every day, asking yourself how you can become a greater person, whether that's in your personal life, whether that's in your business life. It's hustling, motivating others, and setting an example 
for others to look up to you. You need to be doing all of those things. Those are just a few things that I wanted to put together to tell you all of how you can become the leader that I always talk about being. You heard my conversation with Robert. You hear how stories of how he failed. You hear how he got past them. You hear all these different stories that just not about Robert, right? All the other guests I have on the show that are successful, they are leaders because they are doing these things that I'm talking about. Don't be negative because your mindset is everything. Be positive, set goals for yourself on a consistent basis. And if you're not hitting them, figure out why, adapt, change so you can hit those goals. Thank you all for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. You have no idea. The show is growing every single day, every single hour, and it wouldn't be anything without you guys, the best of the best listeners. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of your favorite podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the best of the best Maverick's Guide to Success, where if you're a listener of this show, you always lead by example. 